0: This is the GDC Life Podcast. It is such a privilege to be back in this great land. You live in a great, great country. And I'm based in the United States. I'm very happy there. But anytime the Lord can call me back here, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm listening. So if you have a prophetic word is from God, then speak to me. But it's great, great just to be with you. And I'm so grateful just for the partnership that we do have with this church I love this family, the Nakotras. They're an awesome, awesome family, as I'm sure you know. And we're just super grateful for their partnership, but also they're they're carrying the the responsibility that they carry. Obviously here, you guys as a local church carry great responsibility in Sydney and beyond. You're hosting our equip. You just heard about that. I hope you're coming to us. One thing to host it, but we do want to thank you for hosting it and just being that church that carries responsibility. Um, We just love the friendship and partnership. And I am super excited just to be standing here this morning in your new building. It's, every time I come here, you're in another facility. I'm, I'm hoping this is it for a season, but it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Well done to you guys, being brave in a shutdown, lockdown, stepping out in faith. When everyone was kind of closing down, you guys stepped into what God had. And I know it's a big deal. I know you've still got to see the breakthrough that God's promised, but well done. I just want to commend you for staying big. Uh, staying focused. I'm sure this crazy season has shaken so many things in us. But well done to you who've stayed the course, who still love Jesus, serving Jesus, and have come back to the things that really matter. And I really want to commend you. You know, in my nation, the United States of America, 35,000 churches shut down in COVID and have never opened again and will not open again. 35,000, that is troubling. And uh, we can obviously share on why we think that has happened and why it happens. But I want to tell you, the people who focus on what God's called them to have stayed the course and have walked through. And it's not been an easy time for anyone, no one. And I love that we've came, many people say, we've all been in the same storm. And I want to say, no, no, same storm, but we've been in different boats. It's not a one size fits all. We've all faced, this has been a global thing that we've been through, but we've all been in different boats and had to adjust our own individual lives and local churches in according to what's happened. And I want to say well done for the adjustments that you've made. I hope you've made them because God is moving us into greater things and we need the church back on track, staying the course that God has us to. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you please to turn in it to the 1st Thessalonians. Isn't it amazing that Leo picked up in second chapter, I'll go to the first chapter. uh, 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 and you know, I, I stood on these shores of your great nation in 2020, January, February of 2020. I preached uh, in, here in Sydney. I preached in Adelaide. I preached in Tasmania. I preached in Melbourne. I kind of did the rounds around the, US, uh, the Australia and I preached and I, I, and I don't know if any of you ever remember this, but I spoke this thing of, I believe that 2020 is going to be a season of release. And then I, flew, I went all over Australia prophesying a season of release. And then I landed back on the shores of the U.S. and the whole world shut down. Literally shut down a week later. And some of those who listened texted me and said, hey Tyron, how's that release looking? And I was like, well, I've never claimed to be a prophet, so there you go. But I want to tell you looking back, 2020 was a season of release. I certainly never saw this coming, but what I do believe is that God released us from things in order to release us into greater things. And while it's been the most difficult season of my life personally and our ministry, my ministry is to travel, to go, I was stuck in our great nation of the United States. I'm sure you've heard all about our problems because you know everything about America as I speak to you Aussies, and I've been here for a day and a half and I've watched your news and you talk more about us than we talk about us. So just so you know, you know about our problems. I've been stuck in that nation and I've been looking around going, Lord, get me out of this nation. Let me get back to the nations. But in it all, God has been awesome. God has done things. God's revealed things. God's shaken things. And, And shaking reveals what we are anchored to. Nobody likes shaking, but shaking is necessary because it reveals what we are anchored to. And I believe that we've had some revelation of what the church globally has been functioning in and maybe doing because every other church is doing it. But God, in a sense, has shaken things up to bring us back to releasing us from things that are not from Him in order to release us into greater things. And I trust that you believe that. And I want to say that this moment that we've been in has not paused this mission that we've been on. God never stopped what He was doing. Maybe if we're bold enough to acknowledge God stopped perhaps or paused some of what we were doing in order to remind us again of what He is doing and also to remind us that apart from Him, we cannot do anything. We all claimed that and then we were forced to acknowledge that without Him, we cannot do anything. And that's a good place to be, friends, because that's where God wants us to stay. And, and I want to just challenge us this morning and say that we cannot be nostalgic for a season that no longer exists. I listen, and, and people still talk about if only, and we look back to going to pre COVID in 2019. And, and I want to tell you, there is no season like that. We are in a season, and God is moving, and God's doing stuff. And maybe it's been difficult. Maybe we've lost some. Maybe people have left. Maybe people have moved on. Maybe you've lost your job. I, I, I don't want to be insensitive this morning, but you cannot long for what no longer exists. <laughs> and I don't believe God sent COVID. And if you do, you're wrong, but we can still be friends. But I do believe God allowed COVID. And I'll tell you, I know how he allowed it, because it happened. And God has taken this to reveal some things. And while a lot of bad stuff's happened, there's a lot of good. And now we've got to contend for what God's saying to us now. And we're going to come back to what really matters, friends. And it's a great, I, I believe in seasons of crisis and seasons of confrontation Destiny is revealed way more than in seasons of comfort and convenience. And so we see the destiny of God's people and God bringing us back to the things that really mattered. 2019, in November 2019, I was ministering. In Toronto, Canada, and we had an equip there, like for all the East Coast churches in, in Canada came together, NCMI was hosting an equip, and, and I really was stirred by God to preach on prayer. We need to pray more. It's amazing how people began to add prayer meetings to what they were doing rather than, or tag them on to what they were doing. They were no longer essential. People got, the church got so busy being the church, doing this stuff, that we didn't really need to pray anymore. Isn't that amazing? Now everyone's praying again, thank God. And I was stirred to say we need to get back to praying and not adding and tagging on prayer meetings, but prayer is essential. It's clearly in scripture, and prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. And so, in a great nation that I live, America, prayer was like a tag on, and most people oh, are we too busy to pray. That's the, the pastors used to tell me that in America when we planted that church. Now, people are too busy to pray. And look at our nation. We got to pray. And so I began to preach on prayer, and one of the prophetic guys on our team who was there, a guy named Ken Grenfell, who, who lives in uh, Virginia in the United States, he's on our team, he's a, pro- a prophet, and he, at that meeting, came to me afterwards, and, and he said he actually had a dream that night before, and he dreamt that he was in this vehicle, and he was, the, the vehicle was full of people, and he was driving to a prayer meeting that NCMI was hosting. And he said, and he got to the prayer meeting and he dropped everybody else out of the vehicle and let them all get into the prayer meeting. And he went to park the vehicle and he got out the vehicle and he started walking to the prayer meeting. And then he forgot his Bible and his notes that he had prepared for preaching. And so he went back to the vehicle to get his Bible and his notes, but the vehicle was gone. It disappeared. It disappeared. And so he was devastated, not that the vehicle was gone, but because his notes were gone and his Bible. And so he turned around to walk back to the prayer meeting, and there on the sidewalk, in the gutter on the sidewalk of the car park, he found his Bible, but his notes were gone. And as he walked to the prayer meeting, we all walked out and said, where you been? What's happening? And, and this is what he said, November 2019, okay? This is before any of this COVID stuff and shutdown happened. And he said this, I believe my interpretation of the dream is this, that that uh, the, the vehicle represents the church or ministry, it disappeared. I mean, you would stone someone who said that in 2019, and I didn't even figure what he was saying. But he said, But I believe God's saying this next season going to require His people. To come back to prayer because I was on the way to a prayer meeting and to the Word of God because it's only the Word of God that I found in the sidewalk, not my notes or my preaching notes. And so there I was like, great word, it confirmed my thing on prayer, let's get back to prayer. And then shutdown happened and it took me, forgive me, I'm a slow learner, like a year later, I realized, hang on, he told us that this thing was going to get shut down and closed And so I phoned this guy, Ken, and I said, dude, did you know? that we were going to get shut down. And fortunately, he's an honest prophet and said, no, I had no idea. But in a sense, God was saying, the vehicle you have will be cloaked, disappeared, taken for a season. But coming out of this, you need to come back to my word and come back to pray. Yes. And that sounds so obvious. And I'm just telling you, God is about leaning on him and his word, looking to what God says. And when you read the word of God, friends, it's not just the promises of God. You can't just read the Word as the promises of God. The Word of God reveals the plans and purposes of God. And what God has allowed to happen is bring us back to His plan and His purpose. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the purposes of God that prevail. And so we look at the Word. I'm not coming with good ideas this morning. I've got some ideas. They haven't worked. I've got some suggestions that I knew before COVID that heaven worked, but the Word of God is what we're coming back to and saying the Word of God only. It doesn't matter who likes it or dislikes it. God's not watching over what I say. Forgive me even what the prophets say. He's watching over His Word to see His Word fulfilled, and we've got to come back to being radically Word-based, not cultural relevance, Not what did we learn from others? Not what is everyone else doing? What has God told us to do? Stick to the God's plan if we're going to walk in the purposes of God. And so we've got to come back and say, what can we see from Scripture? And and I want to share a little around this great truth and these truths just from the Scripture. Just 10 verses here that I want to read and just make some statements around. And and I do believe, and again, friends, I, I want to be careful saying this. I want to talk about the focus of a favored church. I know people get nervous when we talk about favor because there's a price. And of course there's a price. But I don't believe you can earn the favor of God. But I do believe that we can pursue and focus things that we see other early churches making a priority. That if we made them priorities today, we will experience the continued favor of God. I want to be part of what God's doing, not what man's doing. I want to be part of what God's doing, not NCMI. I want to be part of what God's doing. I don't want to do our thing and hope God's in it. Those days are gone. I want to know what God's doing and give my life to significance. What is He doing? The church needs to come back to, what is God doing? And God wants us to know what He's doing. He doesn't want us to guess. Ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom of God we 've got to know what god 's doing, and I think it helps when we come back to these truths so first Thessalonians chapter one, please we 've got to build with heart and intention. I think of this church, you guys have expressed the favor of God to some degree god 's with you there 's no question, and I know god 's with everyone, but there is something where God is with you, thirty years of something of as a church doing what i mean god he 's taken you on a journey, and people have come, and people have gone and for good reason and bad reason, but God's plans haven't changed. you've got to continually build for what you to be, not what others want you to be. The danger for the church right now is we are forced to become something to attract certain people. I'm just going to tell you, be authentic. Be who God's called you to be, nothing else. It's good enough. People need what God wants you to be, not what they want you to be. And we can't allow culture or what we've learned from others stay true. Be authentic. You're in this region because God loved this region so much that He gave this region glorious gospel church. I believe that. That this church and every local church is a gift to the church, I a mean, gift to the region, not the region's a gift to the church. you here because God loved this region. And God's got a plan and continues to use His church to function in the things He has for them. And so let's read here 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you know the history of this church, it was birthed in absolute persecution. These were not easy days when this church was birthed. And know that because I think some of us think, Chief, if only we lived in Bible days. Like I wish I lived in those days. Do you really? They were so much easier in those days. Is that so? Have you ever read the Bible? It was not easier, my friends. It was difficult. They were locked up, persecuted, in prison for doing what we're doing right now. Not just for a season. Always. They were stoned. They were persecuted. They were killed. They were de- Don't think, if only I lived in the Bible days. We live today. And we have a challenge. But this church was birthed in absolute opposition, uh, opposition and in absolute persecution. But they gave themselves to things where God favored them because they were focused on the right things. In First Thessalonians chapter one, verse one, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Verse three, we continually remember that our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance Inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Labor prompted by love, work produced by faith and endurance. Inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first truth I want to bring this morning to state the obvious, where does your hope come from? where is your hope? Is it in something? Is it in the church? Is it in the ministry? Is it in your government or your marriage or your job? Or or is it in Christ and Christ alone? I love that Paul's writing to this church that he planted, he was part of, and he doesn't say your endurance and hope inspired in me, Paul the apostle, but in Christ, Christ alone. And I I have seen, and I'm sure you have, people fall away in this season, literally fall away, gone. Not interested, why? Because their faith was not in Christ. Their faith was in ministry and people and stuff. How do you endure? How do you stay inspired? Where does your hope come from? I'm gonna say this to you this morning. A correct view of Jesus gives you a correct view of everything else. If your view of Jesus is wrong, everything else will be wrong. Our Christology determines our missiology. And our missiology determines our ecclesiology. And our ecclesiology determines our eschatology. And for you Kiwis, let me explain this to you this morning. Sorry, just got to help the Kiwis out. They don't know what I'm talking about. so I'm just joking, but Basically, what I'm saying is that our revelation of Jesus determines our mission here on earth. And our mission determines the church. And the church plays a major role in end times. Now some of you have come alive, let's just get honest here, this is it, this is it, here we go, it's like end times. I mean the end times guys are coming alive right now, and if you're one of them, thank you for being one of them, but let me tell you about your end times revelation, it's obscured and it's wrong if your revelation of Jesus is wrong. I believe we are living in the end times, I've always said that, and if I'm wrong it doesn't matter, if I'm right it matters a lot. We're 2,000 years closer than Paul was in saying that Jesus will come back when the time is right. But know this, our revelation of him plays a major role. It's not the antichrist that brings the end. It's not the vaccine or the non-vaccine. It's not your government. It's not your people. I'm not here. I know that I'm stepping on it. But all the stuff, it's not the mark of the beast. None of that brings the end. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come according to Jesus Christ. So our revelation of Him determines everything, who we are, how we operate, how the church functions, why do churches fall aside? Maybe because their revelation of Jesus was wrong. Maybe they had faith in ministries and preachers and pastors. And listen, friends, you know, big churches, small churches, everybody's getting shaken. If your faith's in those leaders, you're finished. And Australia has been hurt by many leaders. And I'm not pointing fingers at those leaders. I'm pointing fingers at the people to say, don't have your faith in a man or a ministry, only in Jesus Christ. Uh, Leon read Colossians chapter one already, and and it talks about Jesus. What What a great picture of who Jesus is. And it says in Colossians chapter one that he will have preeminence, supremacy, first place in everything. Jesus has been given first place in everything. Let me ask you, has he got first place in your life? Has he got first place in this church? Does he really carry prominence or does he carry preeminence? My one friend preached a great message in Chicago recently and he he differentiated, is Jesus ornamental or is Jesus fundamental? Ornamental means we move him around to fit around us because ornaments move. Fundamental means we, fit, we move around to fit around Him. And I want to suggest that most churches perhaps have Jesus as an ornament somewhere. He gets a mention from time to time, but He better have first place, and that's where our priority has to be. And the shaking we've been through, God has brought Jesus back to the first place in everything. And I think COVID-19 has exposed many things in and out of the church, but the church's foundation globally including here in Australia, the foundation of the church has been exposed. And many churches have been built on ministries and giftings and personalities and all these things rather than on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced and praying and trusting that coming out of this crazy season for whatever lies ahead for us next is that we the church have reconnected with our bridegroom king. We have our head back in place. And then we will do more for him out of love and, and, and than we will out of duty and religion. And we will better represent him to the people around. Because many people in Australia have tried church, but they haven't tried Jesus. Because the church has misrepresented Jesus. And that's why the priority is endurance inspired in your hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our head. He's the head of the church. And a body without a head is a corpse. Dead, but with our head in place, we have power and authority and all the things. But many said, Yeah, Jesus is the head, but we're the heart. You're not the heart of the church. He's the head of the church and the heart of the church. We've got to stop misrepresenting him by saying it's our heart. It's his heart, his head, his heart. What's his heart for the people around? Jesus is also the hope, not of the world only, but the hope of the church. He's the head of the church. He's the heart of the church. He's the hope of the church. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Are you with me? The last time I looked, we are simply hands and feet. We all want to be the head or the heart or the hope. We're the hope. The church is the hope. No, Jesus is the hope. If the church is the hope, God help us. But Jesus is the hope through his people. We are His hands and feet. Have you thought about that? I have. Watch this. I'm going to pick up that bottle, but not because my hands and feet say I'm doing it, because my head says I'm going to do it. (laughs) Profound. (laughs) Profound. (laughs) If you didn't know, my hand didn't do that. My head told my hand what to do. You know why He's misrepresented? Because we're too busy telling Him what to do. Or doing our thing, saying, if only I know, I know what Jesus would have done. No, you don't. Do what he did. Yes. Then you'll represent him better. Because we all have a different view of Jesus here this morning. He's, he's all things to all of us. And, and so many of us would say, well, in this culture that we're living in, all the craziness, Jesus would do this, so I'm going to go do this. What would Jesus do? Remember the WWJD, stop. We would all disagree on what Jesus would do based on our revelation of Jesus. But I want to tell you, we shouldn't know what would Jesus do. What did Jesus do? That's what we need to go and do. Hands and feet to represent Him. Australia is ready for Jesus. Not for the church, for Jesus. Amen? We are the hands and feet. Verse 4, let's read on. So priority is Jesus. Secondly, He says, For we know, brothers, love by God that He has chosen you. I'm going to just stop and say you're chosen by God. Your position comes not because you're awesome, not because you're good, not because you're bad. He chose you. And I want to say this to you this morning. I'm sure you've been through some crazy stuff, and maybe you're struggling here, and you you feel like, gee, I've let God down in some of the stuff. Let me just tell you, He chose you. He loves you. He loves you before He chose you. Like, you're not loved because you do stuff. I mean, somehow the church has got performance. We're burning out because we're so busy performing. I'm just telling you, he says, loved and chosen. He chose you. He didn't put your hand up and say, pick me, coach. He said, I'm picking you. The church, this church and all churches, but I'm talking to you guys this morning, loved and chosen. You loved and chosen. With all your warts and all your dramas and all your issues and all whatever your thing might be, loved and chosen. Your position comes because of Jesus, not because of anything you ever get to do for Him. And I think we've got to be and do. We're so good at doing, we're not good at being. Unconditional, unchanging love, grace. Grace that saves you. You know you're saved by grace this morning, right? If you're saved, it's only by grace. Justified by grace. Grace. But God looks at us just as if I've never sinned, the worst of all sinners, but God looks at me as if I've never sinned, justified, only because of Jesus. Okay. Saved by grace. He found me. I never found him. He found me. He found you. you here this morning because he found you. That's grace, love, chosen. But also there's a season of sanctification. And some people say, "Oh, I, don't, I believe in justification, but not sanctification. Well, it's a process, right? I'm saved the moment I give my life to Jesus by faith. I'm saved. But then I've got to walk out this process called sanctification. Some people, oh, we don't want to hear about that. That's, old. That's in the New Testament. It, the best way I can describe it is when I got married to my wonderful wife, the wedding day was we got married. The event but the next morning, I had to wake up, and from then, every morning for the last 20-something years, we've had to live out what we did. What the event was, was we got married. Now we have to live out the reality of being married. And it's the same when this thing is we save, but now we have to walk out our salvation every single day. It's a process. It's not this instant thing. Now I'm in, It's this instant salvation, but now I walk out the process becoming more like Jesus. part of this thing I've chosen is serving. Grace calls us to serve, friends. We don't serve each other. We don't serve the church. Can I suggest we don't even serve the nation or the city. You serve Him. But in serving Him, we function in the place God has for us. And I'm just going to tell you, God's not going to allow a handful of leaders to do everything anymore. Those days are done. God doesn't want his leaders doing everything and the church is cheering them on. He wants his church priesting and being priests, functioning as much as the leaders and the pastors in the role God has for them. No longer pastors do everything or the team does everything and everyone else cheers them and pays them. Go and be who God's called you to be. That's what we see in the church. The priesthood, being, the priesthood of all believers, generosity, giving, living for the benefit of others. That's God's way. Verse 5, it says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words. Please note that not, not with words, not simply with words, but also with power, word and power. Are you listening? There are two camps in this church right here, right now, guaranteed. I'm all about the word and others are saying, I'm all about the spirit. And I'm like, you're wrong, both of you. Word and spirit, hand in hand. It's got to be both, friends. We've got to see that. And I, I want to tell you that he said this, but, but not with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake, power. You know what I've realized? That the greatest threat to the word of God is not those who directly oppose it, But there's a greater threat to the Word of God, is those who claim to believe it, but are ignorant to what it really says. Those people are more dangerous. They're a greater threat to the Word of God. And I' meet many people who go to church and call themselves Christians. Who say, I believe the Bible, but when I look at what they do, I ask them and they say, but I do this because this is what I, but they don't know what the Bible says clearly. And when it comes to spirit stuff or to word stuff, you better know what the Bible says, not what the prophets are saying or what the church is telling you or what your feelings are telling you. It better be what the Bible says, friends. And you can't read the Bible without seeing the revelation of the Holy Spirit operating the way God intended him. You can't do this alone. You're not called to do this in the flesh. We don't need more flesh in the church. We need more spirit. (laughs) I think one of the wake up calls for the church is that we are tired over the season of endlessly filling our calendars with things we get to do as ministries that don't require God. Suddenly we come back to it's not by might. Zechariah 4 verse 8. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that was uh, God speaking to Cyrus, King Cyrus. And he said, it's not by the might of your people. We still in the church have this understanding. The size of your church determines how powerful you can be. And I'm going to ask you to break that mentality because it's not from God. He was saying, it's not the might of your people ever as the king. You'll never have power by might. He said, it's not by your power. And he was talking to King Cyrus. Not by your position. As king, it's not enough. It's not even by our position as believers. It's not going to be your people. It's not going to be your position. It's going to be my spirit. Note, he says, my spirit. Not a spirit or the spirit. My spirit. And why I'm saying this is because I think the church today has been gripped by the spirit of this age rather than the spirit of Christ. Gee, now you're quiet. We are fighting the spirits. We are fighting a battle the way the world's fighting a battle. We're taking each other out. We are fighting cultural wars and all this nonsense because we're caught up by the spirit of this age rather than by the spirit of Christ. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Philip Yancey, he said, a society that denies the supernatural usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. And so there is a society, Australia might reject the supernatural. And so we elevate, and Australia will elevate natural to supernatural status. But can I suggest that's in the church too. And because we will not accept or honor the spirit and supernatural, we begin to elevate people and ministries and gifts at supernatural status. And right there, the flesh starts leading and the church ends up in a mess. Can we come back to elevating the Spirit to His rightful place? And He's not an optional extra. Are you listening to me? He's not an optional extra for deluxe Christians. Now, I've had people say to me, you know, the Holy Spirit stuff, it's kind of weird, and there is weird stuff. I get that. And I say, you know, I'm, I'm just not comfortable with that. I mean, that's cool. Many people present the Holy Spirit as a blessing from God. I'm going to tell you if he's a blessing from God, then you have the right to reject the blessing or choose not to have it. But when you read the Bible, you don't see he's a blessing from God. Let me tell you, he is God. Now you don't have the right to reject the blessing because what will you do with God, the Holy Spirit? It's troubling if I gave you statistics, and if you come to the quip, I might do that, but of the nation, the nation I live in, with how many believers don't believe the Holy Spirit even exists? He's non-existent. And I want to say it's, it's the leader's fault, it's preacher's fault, because they, they don't tr- preach the whole Bible. They reject, they believe God the Father, God the Son, the Spirit stuff, non-existent. Now, I want to just tell you this. We need to come back to the Trinity and we need to understand God, the Father, God, the Son, God. The, someone said this, if you try and preach the Trinity or explain the Trinity, you lose your mind. But if you don't speak on the Trinity, you lose your soul. And I don't fully understand the Trinity, but this I know, it's not three gods, it's one God, three persons. I, the best way I can describe the Trinity is I, Tyrant. I'm a son, I'm a father, and I'm a husband. I'm all three, but I'm one person. And we cannot function fully where God intends us to function, how He wants us to function, through the crazy seasons we will go through, if they don't lean more on the Spirit, to beast the Spirit, to lead us, to guide us, to take us where God wants us, and to demonstrate to Australia that Jesus Christ is alive and well. Not by word, but by power. Worst thing we can do with power is pretend we haven't got it. Now I'm just going to say this, there's more biblical backing in the Bible for strange fire than no fire. I don't know what we do with those, but you're going to struggle to find Scripture backing no fire. And many of us are more comfortable with no fire. There's no backing for that. The early church walked in power from, Jesus said, wait till you receive power. Are you there, my friends? So I do want to tell you, God's called us to get back to being spirit filled. You know I've asked this question. It's a question to think through. What would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not just people? Think about that. Now, some have come to you, oh, darn, God's with us in the old school. That's old covenant. No, I'm not being old covenant. I want to be in the church, part of a church, be the church that attracts God, not people. Because can you imagine what happens to the people who encounter God with us? They change. They don't need smoke machines and all this great attraction to keep us connected. And then COVID hits, we shut down and everyone's gone. Why? Because they were connected to an event rather than connected to God. What would the church look like if it was built to attract God, not just me? Can I suggest it would look very different to the church we see across this nation? I'll leave it there spirit-filled, spirit-moved, spirit-sent, spirit-led. That's what we need the church. And can I just say this about the spirit? We don't need to activate him. Please stop saying that. You biblically illiterate to say that. Forgive me. You don't have to activate him. Can I say you don't even have to invite him? You know what he needs? Simply to be honored. Yes. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is grieved when we believe God's word? I mean, when we Don't believe God's Word. It's not just the blasphemy and all the stuff that we talk. When you don't believe God's Word, you grieve the Holy Spirit. When you resist the Spirit's leading, you grieve the Holy Spirit. When you refuse to change, you grieve the Holy Spirit. When we do not put His will above ours, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When He's not welcomed in our lives and in our meetings... He's grieved. When we're embarrassed by Him, He's grieved. When we criticize His servants and speak evil of them, He's grieved. Be careful how you criticize and speak about other people, other leaders, servants. Let God be their judge. Be careful. Ozzy. be careful. You grieve the Holy Spirit. We're landing here, Leo. Verse 6. Jeez, it's been three years. I don't think I, and who knows when I leave the shores what happens next. So let's just, sorry, nothing, please, Lord. I got to come back. <laughs> Verse six, he says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers at Macedonia and okay, you became a pattern, not the pattern, a pattern. Friends, I want to tell you, it's awesome to read the Bible and to long for those days, but we need to see people being Christians today. We need GGC, not to be a perfect people, but a people who truly reflect Jesus. In my nation, it's all about Christian businesses and Christian books and Christian presidents and Christian, we need Christian schools and Christian, we need Christian, and I want to tell you more important than all that, we need Christian Christians. We do, we don't. Like it's so easy to deflect. We need more Christian books and more Christian movies. No, we just need to be more Christian. We need to be biblically imitate. Follow me as I follow Christ. What you see, this is what it means to be a New Testament church here in Sydney, operating in all cultures, impacting the region, loving God's people, representing Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. Don't just read the Bible. We want to show you not by exclusivity, but being the pattern. Just be a Christian. Believe God's put you in this church and joined you to this church. If I can step on your toes this morning, because there's some new people I don't know. And I'm just going to ask you this. It's not about where do I fit. It's where has God put you. And that's a big difference. And people have said to me, gee, Tyron, I'm not sure I fit you. I'm not sure I belong here. It's not about belonging or fitting. It's sticking where God puts you. And let me just tell you about God. He doesn't put you where you always want to be. He puts you in a family, not with a bunch of friends. The last time I looked, I never chose my family. I was born into that family. I choose my friends. But my family, he chose for me. I was born into that family. And here's the thing about a family. Very different to each other. And I believe he puts us in a family that we will grow up. Because my family forces me to grow up. Because they're people who have the same DNA. But they're different to me. And they irritate me. And they mess. But that's what forced me to grow up. And so I I I, I get nothing from what I'm saying this morning by saying this. You might find a better church. You'll struggle, but you might. But it doesn't matter what's better. It's where has God called you to be planted? That's it, friend. Yeah, you stay there exactly until He moves you on. I'm serious, and I'm not... Like, like, can you imagine if Leo stood up here and you said, uh, oh, I'm not sure I'm called to lead this church. How many of you would, would be part of the church if he's not convinced he should be the leader of this church? You, you would say, love you, cheers, I'm out of here. Well, I want to say the same should be there for every believer here, that you're here because God's put you here. And listen, maybe it's not your choice. Maybe there's a better church you wish, and you're, but it's not about what you want. It's where God puts you, and you get planted in the house you'll never grow if you're not planted if you keep uprooting and moving around and please friends I'm not trying to twist your rubber arm to stay here I'm telling you get planted in the house go where God's put you and get involved from day one and see until God moves you on stay there but don't look where you belong look where he's put you and often he puts you in places you don't belong but that's why he put you there are you okay with that it's biblical All right, we're landing here. Verse eight, he says, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. I'm gonna just say there's this proclamation that needs to come out of the church again. You know, I don't believe COVID was getting the church to go online. God didn't want the church to go online. God wanted the church to get out the building. Now everyone's like Online. That's not enough. Get out there and proclaim the gospel. The message has to ring out of this place, ring out of us, not be held around us. The Lord's message rang out. What happens here does not stay here, should never stay here. Someone said, if our gospel isn't touching others, it really has not touched us. What you win people with is what you win people to. Make sure it's the gospel, the good gospel, the right gospel. And let me step on a couple of toes as I land. Saying, "Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." That's what St. Francis of Assisi said. Preach the word, and if ne- preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. I know what he was saying, but biblically, he's wrong. Oh, now, well, he—it's kind of like saying, "Hey, take care of the poor, and if necessary, give them something to eat." give them food. In other words, friends, I understand we got to live the gospel, but we called to declare the gospel. We called to proclaim the gospel. We called to preach the gospel, not just live it and hope they ask. We call to declare and yeah. preach. So go preach it and go live it, but don't not preach it. Yes. People need food. Yeah. We've got the good news. Yeah. It's got to go. Tell, tell it to the world. And we need to be teaching it in the church. And lastly, it says, therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Verse nine, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Perspective, these guys, give your attention to the perspective to wait for the son from heaven. Eternity, Jesus is coming back. And I think that if a church truly is focused on the return of Jesus, not in a weird way, but understanding there's eternity waiting for us, I think we're gonna not play a game, but we're gonna get busy with the things God's called us to. I mean, listen, friends, I don't wanna fear, scare anyone here. We've seen people literally die like this over this season and I'm not, I'm not. It's some COVID related, some not, but I'm telling you, life is short. I, I, I've actually said to the guys, we need to preach every sermon like it's possibly our last because it could be our last. Not to live in fear, but there's an urgency. And, and it's like the urgency has kicked in for a moment, but I see everyone getting back to some normality again and suddenly eternity doesn't really matter. Friends, we have to realize we need a biblical perspective. The end is near. And we've got to keep on living for eternity, not just giving all our attention to life here on earth. And I'm convinced that if we live in that space, God favors a church that focus on the return of Jesus. Not weirdly, not crazy, but no And I believe Jesus is coming back while I'm alive. I believe Jesus will come back while I'm leading NCMI. And he didn't tell me that. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. Right? But if I'm right, It matters. It changes the way I lead, what I say. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm not trying to keep people. I'm just going to tell you what I believe the Lord's saying because the Lord could appear right now. I'm not trying to be weird. Is there that urgency? Do you think beyond in the daily living? Because a local church has to catch the heartbeat of eternity again. What we do in this life echoes into the next. What we give our attention to, none of it's lost. You have ramifications for eternity. Let's close our eyes. Can I pray? Is that okay? Just close your eyes for a minute, please. I'm going to hand the meeting back to Leo in in a moment. But I do want to just, I don't know, most of you in this room, and I'm not sure, I can't presume that you know Jesus. I'd love the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus Christ. All these truths that I've spoken of are irrelevant if you don't know Jesus. The entrance to it all is Jesus Christ. I'm not asking, do you know about the church? I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? I'm asking, do you know Jesus? Do you have your own relationship with this King? And if you don't, I'd love to introduce you to Him this morning in this room. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to introduce you to him. I want to pray for you. I want want to include you in this prayer. Is there anyone here who says, "Tyrant, I need to settle this today? Jesus, I need him to be my Savior and my Lord. Is there anyone here? Raise your hand. but the second thing I would like to ask is this and I'm really not going to prolong this I'm just going to ask you to stand if you need to stand in response to something the Lord's challenged you with this morning it's just a response not, not to get saved to respond to something where He's challenged and you need to adjust would you just stand where you are just stand where you are and let the Lord do some dealing with you this, this is it's, it's, it's This is no game anymore, friends. This is serious. Love chosen, called. Revelation of Jesus, greater revelation. Holy Spirit, we need that revelation. We need to stop talking about Him and actually honor Him again. Maybe you've had a bad experience. We all have to some degree, but He's God. You can trust Him. What will you do with God, the Holy Spirit? it's the word of God ignorance maybe you feel unworthy loved and chosen it's all done in performance let's break that performance mentality this morning if you're bold enough those of you standing would you just raise your hands to your king this morning and I'm just going to pray a general prayer but you receive what you need to receive just receive where you're at receive receive He's your father, he's your king. I thank you, Father, for these incredible men and women, young and old in this room, with standing with arms raised high, simply saying, I need to respond to what you've said, Lord. Thank you that you're a God who speaks. Thank you, you're a God who cares, that you've God who's got our best interests at hand. Maybe we don't understand all this, but this we know, we can trust you. Our faith's not in ministry or people or the church or our pastors or our leader. Our faith is in you, Jesus. Endurance inspired by our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be adjusted this morning in this room. Those of us who've had a bad experience with you, Holy Spirit, would you come now and just fill us afresh? break the shackles and take the things that need to be taken off we trust you God the Holy Spirit As you just come and touch and reveal and show us who you are as you fill us afresh this morning come Holy Spirit and fill us have your way come and use us may we walk with you today may we not be nostalgic for the past but may we walk today with you into this future we trust you lead us take us where you want us to go we pray thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast if you'd like to partner with us you can visit ggclife.com forward slash give we hope you have an amazing week Be blessed.